0: There's a portion of scripture that I would like to read this afternoon hour, it's quite familiar and not particularly long. It's found in Matthew's gospel, the 22nd chapter. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with the first verse. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called But few are chosen. I've read until the end of the 14th verse. This morning we heard about the gospel, the nature of the gospel, how it is proclaimed. Christ himself came out of heaven to declare that gospel unto us, he called it the gospel of the kingdom. And he taught this gospel in many forms, but usually in parables. We have one of them before us here. And his, his stories, his parables that he gave to them, were done in a way that there could be no ambiguity. You couldn't really twist them. The meanings were clear. Or rather, I should say, they were clear to those to whom it was revealed. He begins by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king. He talked about this kingdom that was coming, that was an invisible kingdom. One that was not going to be like the, kings of, or the kingdoms of this world, but was going to be a different sort of kingdom altogether. And so he compares it now to this story. And you'll notice that these opening words are similar to many of his kingdom parables. The kingdom of heaven is like, and he gave many examples. One that's somewhat similar to this is uh, the, ki- the, the parable of the, the fishes in the net. So the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is thrown into the water and gathers fish, both bad and good. We see those words repeated here again. But here the example is of a king. And he is making a marriage for his son. Now, a royal wedding, especially the wedding of a, of a prince, an important prince, was a rare occasion. Something that could be expected to happen only really once a generation. It would have been a big event if you think the difference between rich and poor in our modern era is great, the difference between rich and poor in the days of Christ was far, far greater. The King's wedding would have been one that would have been made with great preparation. The very best would have been selected and, and uh, stored up for that wedding. And then the guest list would have been composed and it would have been done very carefully. Of course, the places at the table are not limitless. So they would have been specially hand-selected by the king, those ones that had been invited. And so when we read these next few words, we can see that something very odd Was going on here. The marriage was for the king's son. This was to be the the passing down of the authority from the king to now the one who would be king after him. His marriage would cement his position as the next king. And so the king sends forth his servants to bid those to the wedding that were invited and they would not come. Now, that would be astonishing. Just to be invited to the wedding would have been a great honor. Uh, even today, if there's some sort of a celebrity getting married or something, to be able to say that you were there at their wedding, that would mark you as someone who is very prominent and, and well-placed. And what did you do to deserve an invitation to go to that wedding this is the wedding of a king and they would not come now the king i'm sure was shocked when he heard the news from his servants so he thought there must be a misunderstanding there must be something wrong here so he sent forth other servants Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Everything is ready. Come. When when a big feast was made in those days, first of all, there was no refrigeration. So whatever had to be prepared, and if it was meat, those animals had to be killed the proper time before the before the wedding feast, prepared, cooked, and once it was ready, it had to be eaten. There was no delaying that. So lest there would be any uncertainty in the minds of those who had been invited, the king sends other servants. He doesn't leave anything to chance. We can see the parallels here in what Jesus was driving at, can't we? The people of God, hand-selected by him, the children of israel taken out of egypt sent to the promised land they were the ones that had been chosen they were the ones that had been invited to welcome messiah to welcome the son of the king so they would not come god had sent prophet after prophet to them were studying prophet elijah right now with signs with wonders to call them back to prepare the way of the lord as it were a few sundays ago i I preached on the prophet john the baptist and him being the forerunner even there the lord did not take a chance that the messiah would be missed he sent wonders in heaven the star that was sent to guide the wise men He sent angels as messengers to the shepherds. He sent John the Baptist to declare the the day of the Lord, that his day was here. And when Christ himself came to be baptized, John the Baptist pointed him out for all that were there to hear. No mistaking what was going on for those that wanted to know. But they made light of it. They made fun. Can, every, can anything good come out of Nazareth? was what Nathaniel said when Philip told him that they had found Messiah. Of course, he went to go and hear. And when he did, his opinion changed. But, you know, that the Pharisees cast all sorts of aspersions against him. They said, say we not rightly that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? A half-breed? Demon-possessed? If that's not making light of that invitation from God, I don't know what it is. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. I thought a little bit about those two words. They're just quick descriptions, the excuses that they gave. In another gospel, we can read more detailed accounts of their excuses, but this one stood out to me, farm and merchandise. The merchants are in population centers in cities, right? It's pretty hard to sell merchandise in the middle of nowhere. But a farmer, a farmer needs space. A farmer needs a field to plant, grazing lands for his flocks, he needs space. But in each of these endeavors, the merchant, of course, looking to buy and sell and make gain, he couldn't leave his business, couldn't afford to uh, leave the shop for a little while, even for such an important event as this. I heard a quote once from uh, a brother from, from Kitchener he was quoting it from somewhere else, but he said, the good is often the enemy of the best. The good is often the enemy of the best. And there's nothing wrong with being industrious and being hardworking and looking to run a profitable business. Nothing wrong in those things. But they can get in the way of the best. And here was the best, and it was overlooked for that. I don't know how many of you know of the Quakers. You may be familiar with them from the box of oats that's got the smiling man and the funny hat on it. But the Quakers were an interesting religious sect and though of course we don't agree with many of the things that they taught, they did have some very strong uh, uh, moral principles about which they uh, tried to live their lives. One of the things that they did is that they were were anti-slavery they were abolitionists. Uh, Quakers, wealthy Quakers, would often go to the slave markets and buy slaves and set them free, not too concerned about profit. But the Quakers came to the New World because of religious persecution, and they came that they could live out their faith according to the dictates of their conscience. And someone once said of the Quakers, they came to do good but ended up doing well. And it's a bit of a play on words. But they came came here to do something good and ended up instead just being wealthy businessmen. Quaker State, the oil company, I think that was something from from the Quakers as well. Um, Anyway, that's a sidebar. But the point is... We can be involved in things that are in and of themselves not bad. But they can get in the way of what God expects of us. And we have to be very careful with that. The other says he went to his farm. And as time goes by and it seems the wickedness of men and women increase. At least for me the open spaces in the country are a little bit more attractive as a place to raise a young family away from the influence of other people close to God's creation can identify with that but that may not be where God wants us either he may not want us to just sequester ourselves away from evil influence though of course departing from evil is important and is central to the gospel so again, we need to be careful that we do not neglect the call of God out of some misplaced ideal or lesser priority. It can be very dangerous for us. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. This is something that perhaps we don't think about very much here, though perhaps with the more authoritarian measures we're seeing as of late, it may not be that far away. I don't know. But there have been those that have had to make that ultimate decision for God. And from the accounts that I have read, I find it interesting to see how they handled themselves in those extreme circumstances. It, it, all, it, it often makes me weep to read about how they reacted under very, very difficult circumstances. The call of the invitation of the King to the marriage supper of the Lamb was greater even than their own life. It was more important for them to be there than to be here. And we need to remember that because the children of this world are those that are concerned about the here and now, about preserving life at any cost. That's what they seek to do. Of course, their definitions are skewed. Life inside the womb doesn't seem to count for quite as much. But once someone is alive and kicking then to hang on to life is deemed as very important but we need to be careful that we don't even love life itself more than the call of our Lord otherwise we can find ourselves on the wrong side of this as well when the king heard thereof he was wroth and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers And burned up their cities these words were prophetic the Lord did send his armies and they were the armies of Rome to destroy those that had murdered not only his son but the ones that had also been sent in fact it was popularly reported by Josephus that the destruction of Jerusalem was punishment from God because of the martyrdom of James the Apostle who wrote the final, uh, the, his short letter at the, at the back of our Bibles. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. It's interesting. We're going to come back to that word worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. Stop for a moment and think about that. If anyone would have an excuse not to come, it would be someone who's on a journey from one place to another, wouldn't it? They already have a destination, someone expecting them, they can't easily call ahead and tell them I can't make it, I've been invited to this special banquet.